This morning's reading is Psalm 40, which is a psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. This is the word of the Lord. So Psalm 40, and uh, I've called this good news wherever we are, and, and with apologies to Kirsty and Phil, have you ever watched Location, Location, Location? You, some people are nodding, only one person, oh, some more people watch it, yeah. Apologies to Kirsty and Phil, but I stole their title, because uh, I think you can look at this in terms of three locations, this psalm. So uh, that's where I've got that idea from, and I hope it'll all become clearer to you as we move along. So let's just pray for a minute. Lord, we we thank you that you're with us now. We thank you whatever we're facing at the moment, you're with us. And we thank you that uh, you have sorted everything out for us. You've saved us from our sin. You've saved us from all the evil that drags us down. And we thank you for that, Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that we'll become clearer on how you've done this as we move through this talk. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So the the first location, right, is a pit, a slimy pit. Very difficult to get out of. Now, when I was a child, I'm not going to say I spoke like a child, like Paul did. When I was a child, I lived on a 60s estate. It was being built around us. We were one of the first houses... Uh, that was built. 
So this was wonderful for children because I don't know if you're around in the 60s, but no one had really heard of health and safety. (laughs) So all the houses were being built around us. And what do kids like doing? They like climbing and all that sort of stuff. So we used to climb in all the houses. I was great. And, And then one of the things you used to do, you used to fall into a pit, which I did once. It was a sort of cementy, muddy horrible, slimy pit. I remember it well. And it went up to about here. And I couldn't get out of it. And so my friends sort of dragged me out eventually. And then I I knew what was going to happen when I got home. Because my mother was there. You know, I don't need to say any more. But she wasn't very pleased. Slimy pits. So that's what we've got at the beginning of this psalm. A slimy pit. And it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me, heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit like my friends, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song into my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and hear the Lord and, and, and uh, put their trust in him. Now, I'm, I'm a trustee of um, Christians Against Poverty Debt Centre, in Greenwich, which has been going nearly two years now, which is fantastic. It does some great work. And when we launched a couple of years ago, this, these verses were the very verses that I used to talk about Christians Against Poverty and, and debt counselling and so on that we do in this area. Um, these were the verses God, God pointed out to me, really, at that time. So I was slightly chuffed, and I don't think Eddie knew this. I think God did, though. I was slightly chuffed that these came up in this reading because I felt these verses at the beginning of Psalm 40 summed up very well the feelings of people who are facing seemingly insurmountable debt problems like Mark in the photo here. Um, And it, it must often, you feel, you try and get out of your situation of debt and you try and climb up and then you slide back as more bills come in the front door and often people just don't, they just hide them away. They don't even look at them because they don't have the money to pay. Now, if you're in that situation, please come and see me afterwards because, you know, I can point you in the right direction with Christians Against Poverty. But what's needed is people who can come alongside you, like my friends, and help lift you out of the pit, lift you out of debt. So this is what happened with Mark and a couple of people who you may know helped him, Beverly and Leanne, who are both debt counsellors. They're in the next slide. There they are. You'll recognise one of them at least, I'm sure. There's Beverly. And Leanne doesn't come to this church, but she's around a lot. And Leanne wrote to me about Mark, and this is what she said. She said, when we first met Mark, he had no cooker. He was heating food on makeshift double boiler using a kettle. His social housing had flooded. He had no family. He'd lost everything. Mark, Mark sadly was broken. He was suicidal. And through our support, we were able to get him on track with the finances, support him on his journey out of debt, and advocate on his behalf with his housing association to get all the repairs and compensation for the furniture that was damaged. But Mark's story doesn't end there. Because due to the generosity and help he received, Mark came to faith in Jesus and is now part of a local church community. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't God great? As David says in the psalm, isn't God great? 
And so Leanne Beverly and the team of volunteers, there's people in this church who help, are also working hard with others to help people like Mark avoid getting into debt again, and they, they run a life skills course. And even better, they've helped Mark, as, as we said, they, to put his trust in Jesus, given him a new song to sing in praise of God. So Mark's life's been turned around. It's fantastic. And if you're interested in helping people in debt, um, particularly as a befriender, that's someone who comes alongside, a bit like my friends dragging me out, um, then do chat to me afterwards about that because we, we need more befrienders. Uh, Soren's not here, but he's a befriender. And I think Susan might be as well. I'm not sure, but she does life skills. I don't know if she's a befriender. But there are, there are other people in this church who are interested in that role or doing it. But also, you might be sitting here today. You might feel like I experienced. You're in a slimy pit today. It may not be debt. It may be all sorts of other things. And you just feel you can't get out of it. Um, life seems to overcome you. It might be something to do with you. You, you might feel you're, you're a failure or whatever, that you've let God down. I don't know what it is. But this psalm is for you too. So please listen as we move on. So if we have the next slide, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. So the Lord, if you're in that situation, the Lord hears your cry, your inner or maybe out loud cry for help. He understands what you're going through. And he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on rock, gave me a firm place to stand. Because Jesus is God walking around on earth. When he came a couple of thousand years ago, he experienced all the difficulties of life like we experience them. In fact, worse than most of us will ever experience. So he knows how we feel in the face of sin, in the face of suffering, in the face of injustice. He knows about it. He can help us. And he doesn't, the thing about Jesus is he doesn't give us words of advice from afar to help us get out of the slimy pit, you know. Like if you go on self-help things or, or a lot of religions say this sort of thing, try a bit harder. He didn't come to the edge of the pit and say, oh, hey, try a bit harder or oh, jump a bit higher. He didn't do any of that. He got down in the pit with us and helped us out. He came down to earth and then he spread his arms off for us on the cross to save us from sin, to lift us out. That's what Jesus does. That's what God does. He actually comes with us and helps us out. He gives us a firm place to stand trusting him. And a large rock, which is the picture here, is a pretty immovable object, isn't it? And God is, is similarly in a firm place, to, giving us a firm place to stand once we've been lifted out of that pit to stand, put our trust in him. And then we, like Mark can sing a new song. It says, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and and praise the Lord, fear the Lord, and put their trust in him. So that's the first location, the pit, right? The pit. So let's move on to the second location, and it's in church and in life, right? So it's talking about this and what you experience around here and around where your locality is. Church amongst assembled people in life. But I want to see this, this, this picture we're using now more as a, a window through time as well, because we're going to move through time using this picture as well. But first of all, David talks in his time, that's a few thousand years ago, of a great congregation or assembly. And in this location... It's one they had sacrificed, it had a sacrificial system offering 
forgiveness from sin to people, uh, also where people would dedicate themselves to God and so on. So it's to have a relationship with God, but also to, to ask God to forgive your sins. And there are obviously a lot of people there in the psalm in this section. So in David's time, animal sacrifices were part of the religious rituals. So if we have this slide now. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I've come. It's written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. So the psalm's telling us here uh, uh, the sin offerings and dedication of oneself to God um, all, all, the, all these things are important. This religious ritual is really important. But they're only external signs. And what's matter, what matters is going on in your heart, in your inner being. That's what matters. David is saying something, and this is echoed throughout the Bible, as I, I'm, I'm sure most of you know. It's, it's, what matters is what goes on inside us, our inner response. Uh, If you look at the prophet Samuel, he says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey God is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the... to listen is better than the fat of rams. And then similarly, Hosea, we use this in our confession quite a lot. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. So it's, it's the inner response that's important. So what these prophets, Samuel and Hosea, are saying, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, is this inner response is what it's about. It's that relationship with God, whether we trust and obey God's loving ways in our inner being. That's the main thing, not the religious ritual. So the sacrifices offered are an external sign of that inner response that we're making. And similarly, in today's church, you know, baptism is an external sign, if we're doing it as an adult, an external sign of a response we're making to God, that we want to be baptised and follow Jesus. And confirmation is similar, confirming that baptism, which we've got coming up in November. So please come and see me if you're an adult and you want to be confirmed. Someone came up to me last week. So, um, yeah, do come and tell me if if you're interested in that. But there are external signs of what's going on inside you. And the main thing is what's going on inside you. So you might be sitting here this morning, you might come in for the first time, I don't know. And you like coming to church, you like it, you like singing and you like all the ritual and everything, you like it. But God wants a relationship with you, he wants that inner response, it's not the religious ritual, he wants that inner response, that's the thing he wants. He wants us to trust him, do things his way. He wants a relationship with us, he's looking out for us like a shepherd looking for a lost sheep, that's the kind of God we're talking about. So have you got that relationship with God sitting here this morning? Or do you just kind of like coming to church, you know? It's nice. What what are you thinking this morning? Do you trust and obey him in your inner being? So now, we're, we're still at this location in David's time with the sacrifices, aren't we, right? But I want you to see now that location as a window because there's a prophecy going on here. And I want you to move through time now till Jesus' time later. Now, David didn't know about Jesus, although he prophesied about him without realising. So I want you to move through time. You've got David's time, the large assembly, sacrifices, praise, singing, dancing. Move to this other location, to Jesus. 
few thousand, a couple of thousand years ago from us, when God became a human being, walked around among us. And then verse 6 tells us, and it's important this bit, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. But there's an alternative reading of that that's in some of the scripts. But a body you have prepared for me. Do you see that? But a body you have prepared for me. And I believe that's an alternate interpretation of that verse. And uh, is this the Holy Spirit looking forward like a window from the original time, looking forward in time to when God takes on human flesh in Jesus? And in Hebrews 10, the writer of Hebrews says, of this letter, quotes this translation. And he says, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. It's that, that interpretation of it. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am, it's written about me in the scroll. I've come to, I've come to do your will, O God. So if we look through this window of this psalm, from David's time to the future, we can see this is talking about Jesus. And Jesus is saying here to his father, Here I am. I've come to do your will. Jesus came to show us a human being who perfectly does the Father God's will. And Jesus fulfilled those symbolic sacrifices of animals by himself. God, in a human body, dying for all people on the cross to make things right between us and God and to give us life with him forever. So these verses, through a window in time, point to Jesus coming after the time of King David and fulfilling the full meaning these animal sacrifices pointed to all those years earlier. Right, so let's move back in time now. So we've gone forward to Jesus. Now we're going back to David's time, when he's the king of Israel. And then we're going to verses 9 and 10. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly, David says. I do not seal my lips, Lord, As you know, I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I don't hide the fact I love you, that you've made me right with you in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. So here we come to that element of publicly praising God that was in the slide I just showed you. David says, I speak of your faithfulness, your saving help. I do not conceal your love and the faithfulness from the great assembly. David was enthusiastic to tell others and show others what the Lord had done for him. Despite all his faults, and he had many, as James mentioned, he was very enthusiastic. And it, it challenges me, how enthusiastic am I to tell and show others about Jesus and what I believe about him? what he's done for me and what he can do for them. How enthusiastic am I? Um, Am I willing to acknowledge uh, our faith in Jesus in church and in everyday life? How enthusiastic are we in our worship when we come here? Do we come in and we think, oh, it's been a bad week, I've got a bad back, I've got a bad back, and, you know, I can't really be bothered with this. Or do we think, no, God is great, I'm going to praise him anyway. What's your attitude when you come to church? How enthusiastic are you? So how do, and also, how much do we share about Jesus? Now, I'll, I'll mention this. We haven't mentioned it for a while. Word one-to-one. Has anyone heard of word one-to-one? It's 
Stick your hand up because it would help me if, if you have. So there's a lot of you who haven't. Now, what's very encouraging, this is word one-to-one. It's all it is, it's John's account of Jesus, right? John's gospel split up into little books. You have one and your friend has one. And then what you do, it's got the notes there to tell you what to do. You read a little bit with your friend and then you, it tells you exactly what to do. It tells you all the answers. So you don't have to know anything much about the Bible. You can still draw your friend to reading the Bible, coming close to God that way through the Bible. God will speak to them through his Holy Spirit. And what's really good is that this, these are out the back there. They've been out there for a while. I have to keep filling it up. Uh, it's got low again. I have to keep filling it up with more because you're all taking them. Isn't that great? I'm very pleased. But that's the way you can share and be enthusiastic about your faith in Jesus. Just do that with a friend. You can go to the pub, you can go to a coffee shop, go to your home, wherever. Half an hour, just read the Bible with someone. It's a marvellous thing. So that's word one-to-one. That's a, that's a practical way that you can, um, you can actually be enthusiastic in what you believe. Right, now we're going to the final location now, the third one. We move from the Great Assembly, we move to our front line. It's what we do from uh, Monday to Saturday. It's what we do in the week, our front line, whether that's, I don't know, caring for elderly parents or children or doing paid or unpaid work or looking for a job. Whatever you do during the week, that's your front line. So David, you can imagine, he's, he's, he's been in this slimy pit. God's rescued him from it. He's then in a great assembly being enthusiastic, even danced before the Lord, and his wife, Michal, despised him because he was so enthusiastic. Have you danced before the Lord recently? I must admit, I don't know if I have that much, but anyway. Maybe it's something else to practice. But then we're moving. It's like, this is like Monday morning. And all your problems come back again, don't they, on a Monday morning? You get into work or whatever. You come down to earth with a thump, don't you? So David's been on a high, oh, praise the Lord, the Lord is great. It's Monday morning again. And this is about persevering in everyday life. So the final location we're looking at is our front line. I won't read them all, all the verses, but if you look at the next, uh, verse 11, do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. Make your love and faithfulness always protect me. You might feel under threat in your uh, front line. The troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me. You feel you're letting God down. I cannot see there are more than hairs of my head and my heart fails. You feel like, how am I going to carry on with this? Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. And then he also writes, verse 16, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. Stick with the Lord is great, even in your front line, not just in church, even in your front line. But as for me, I'm poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You're my help and my deliverer. You're my God. Do not delay. And and we want to kind of do it now, don't we? Don't delay, please, Lord. Can't stand this any longer. Have you ever been there? I have. So in the stresses and strains of our everyday front lines, we can call on God who understands whatever situations we face. And he will help us persevere in those situations and cope with them. There's no promise in the Bible that you won't have trouble in life. That simply doesn't exist. It actually says you'll probably have more trouble than people who don't follow Jesus if you want the absolute truth. 
So there's no promise like that. But, but God is always great and God is always with us. And David does, says to him, you're my help and my deliverer. He knows that his help is in God. Rejoice and be glad in the Lord, he says. And he says, always stick, the Lord is great. That's what he talks about. Whatever your circumstances, you can always hang on to the fact God is still good, even though things are difficult for you or me. And now, I, I don't know if, does anyone do Lectio 365, the app on their phone? Put your hand up, I'm interested in this. Oh, not that many. Okay. Well, anyway, yesterday it was about perseverance, so I was quite encouraged because I was thinking, what am I going to say in that last bit on perseverance? I knew I had to do that. And and it was about perseverance. And it said, um, it's very countercultural persevering, isn't it? Because, you know, we generally want everything done yesterday and at least do it today. That's how we are in our culture, isn't it? You know? We want it done yesterday, or to, uh, certainly now. And David's kind of saying that here. He's saying, you are my help and my deliverer to God. You're my God. Do not delay. He wants it done now. So we can relate to that, can't we? To, to persevere is, is quite countercultural, but really important. And so a particular example of needing to persevere, and again I want to mention a thing we haven't mentioned for a while, is pray for three. If you know what pray for three is, could you put your hand up, please? Oh, that's encouraging. Oh, that's good. Pray for three is a thing we started ages ago, and I think we need to revive it. And Edmund keeps saying to me, you must revive pray for three, and he's right. So we must revive pray for three. Basically, it's praying for three people who um, you would like to become a Christian. And I know I've been praying for people, more than three, but everyone's different, and you want them to become a Christian and, and you've got to persevere with this because some may have become a Christian which is fantastic, praise the Lord but some may not have yet become a Christian but all I'd say is keep going so all it is is you know, just think of three people you'd like to become a Christian who you particularly love or God's drawing you to pray for them regularly all the time, pray for them, persevere that's a way of persevering in everyday life and keep rejoicing and being glad in the God who's our help, he's our deliverer, and God is great. Amen. Thank you. We're almost getting Pentecostal here, aren't we, in St. John's. Marvellous. Right, so let's have a bit of silence, and maybe in this silence, if you're in the pit, think, take that to God. If you're in the praise bit, say how great he is, and if Try and maybe think about persevering in your everyday life and think, could I pray for three people or is there a particular need for me or someone I know? Just bring that to God in this silence and then I'll, I'll kind of sum up the prayer. I'll finish it in a minute. So I'll give you a few seconds to just think in silence. Lord, if we, if we feel like we're in a slimy pit, we might feel... We're being dragged down by things we've messed up with. We might feel things that are just surrounding us. It might be debt. It could be anything. Lord, help, help us if we're in that situation. Help us out of it, Lord. Help us to trust you, the rock. Thank you, Lord, that you came as a human being to make things right between us and you, to die in our place, to rise from death so we can have life with you now and beyond death. 
Help us to praise you, Lord. Help fill us with your spirit, Lord. Make us enthusiastic to share you and how wonderful you are. And if you're someone who hasn't yet put your trust in Jesus, speak to him now. Tell him what's bothering you and trust him. And do chat to me afterwards or James or someone you trust about taking that further. And those things we face in our daily life, in our front lines, do lift those situations to the Lord. And pray, pray for three people, maybe lift some people to him that you've just thought of. Lord, bless them. Draw them to faith, Jesus. So Lord, may we go out of this church today, all of us, and the words on our lips, maybe, may they be, the Lord is great, because you are great, Lord. You're so wonderful. We praise you, Jesus. Amen.